Nothing gets in my way, not even locked doors. Don't follow the lines that been laid before. I get along any way I dare, any way, any how, anywhere. I can go any way, why I choose. I can live anyhow, win or lose. I can go anywhere for something new. Any way, any how, anywhere I choose. That was the who. Any way, any how, anywhere. And I'd like to dedicate this episode to the photographer Colin Jones, who we lost in the last week. A great photographer, previous contributor to this podcast, and someone whom I was privileged to have spent time with. Welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Photography is about stories, and I came across a story recently I wanted to share with you. I found it at The Observer Online, and it concerns a project and a book titled I Saw the Air Fly. Sir Best Sally studied photography at college in Aleppo before fleeing Syria with his family in 2014 as Islamic State fighters advanced on his hometown of Kobani. He is now one of an estimated 100,000 refugees living in the historic city of Mardin in southeastern Turkey, just a few miles from the Syrian border. Having initially found work as a photographer for a German NGO, Salah's life changed dramatically in 2017 when, while wandering with a friend through the city, he discovered a sprawling refugee community living in a group of abandoned government buildings in the working-class Kurdish district of Istaysan. It was a place where Turkish Kurds and Syrian Kurds lived as neighbours, he said, but did not communicate. They were strangers who spoke the same language. It was at that moment that I thought to use photography as a means to integrate the different communities. Working with Sir Khan, a community organisation, and with initial funding from a German aid organisation, Welthungerlief, he began hosting photography workshops using donated cheap analogue cameras. Sally now runs the Sirkan Darkroom in Mardin and since 2019 has travelled to travelled I should say to neighbouring towns and villages with the Sirkane Caravan a mobile darkroom rather than reflect the traumas of their displacement the pictures the children make tend towards the innocent and joyous Family portraits, blurred shots of their friends at play, children jumping, hiding, posing with their friends or tending their animals. Throughout, there are more intricately intricately formal compositions that catch the eye. A cluster of hilltop buildings, the irregular geometry of electricity wires crisscrossing the sky. When I see a photograph that surprises me, which happens constantly, he says, I feel proud because I've always had a big faith in what photography can do. As the children progress through the workshops, they are given specific subjects to photograph. These can range from the everyday, the garden, the home, to the more socially aware child labour, child marriage and tentatively gender issues. Often when we begin, the girls don't think they can be as good as the boys, he says. Sadly, that is what the adult world has taught them. But soon they're shooting pictures about their lives and experiences. The camera gives them the confidence to do that. 
Salah's plans to expand the caravan workshop so that we can get to the most effective affected places, I should say, tripping over my words a little bit this week, I apologise, have been put on hold since the pandemic began and he has had to teach online. We've managed to get some support, but at the moment it is not sustainable, he says. We are relying more than ever on fundraising and donations of money and second-hand materials, not just cameras, but also things like darkroom chemicals, which cannot be sent from outside Turkey. All proceeds from the sale of I Saw the Air Fly will go to the Her Yerda Sanat Sakan charity, whose aim it is to provide a safe, friendly and embracing environment for children caught up in conflicts. Some good news and some good acts in a difficult time. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what photography means to him in less than five minutes, Dan Byrne Forty, who was born in Mortlake, West London, just along the road, actually, from where Colin Jones lived. Synchronicities abound in the world of photography. Anyway, aged 14, he began taking pictures with his mum's Fujika SLR, funnily enough, the same camera I first started out with. And after a little assisting and three slightly wasted years, as he describes them, studying photography at Middlesex Polytechnic, he has worked ever since primarily in the fields of editorial and advertising photography. His work spans a range of subjects, including everything from celebrity portraiture to animals, reportage to cars. But his work is linked by a love for the absurdness of human beings and the incongruous oddness of modern life. Over the years, his pictures have appeared in numerous publications, including The Observer, Wired, Esquire, Tatler and The Sunday Telegraph. These days, he is increasingly working in the advertising field, having shot many global campaigns for a range of clients that include Mercedes, HSBC, Sony, John Lewis, VW, Channel 4 and Nike. In recent years, he has also worked as a director of commercials and having directed a number of TV commercials for clients such as O2, Mini and Bulldog. Outside of his commissioned work, his passion is for unconstructed, observed photography, work that has appeared in two self-published books titled Girlway and Golden Sun. Byrne Forty has won many awards, including the AOP Awards, the Taylor Wessing Prize, Creative Review Awards, Photo District News, the Creative Circle, Communication Arts and American Photography Awards. What photography means to me is probably quite a simple question, but I must admit it's something that I've never really thought about. It's just something that I've always done and uh, never really wondered what it actually means. But I will have a go. So here goes. Um, I think at the core of everything that I've always been trying to do with photography, without actually really realising it, but answering this question has made me think about it, is a desire to try and capture the world as if I'm like an alien who's just landed on the planet and is walking around seeing everything for the first time and going, whoa, what is that? And good Lord, what's going on over there? And just being sort of taken by the strangeness of this uh, world that we've built for ourselves and the ways that we interact with each other and with uh, the objects and just the whole thing is really quite strange. It could have gone in an infinitely different number of ways and we've chosen this particular one and we think that it's the correct one, but 
it's really quite peculiar. And I guess it's trying to have a look at that is what I think I've been trying to capture in one shape or form. And I think it all kind of began... Um, it may not be, but it feels like it when I think about it. Was I remember watching an episode of a TV show called The Six Million Dollar Man. And the, the Six Million Dollar Man is lying in bed and he's just woken up from being operated on. And he's been informed that he's got a new arm, a new leg, a new eye. All these robotic bits have been replaced on his body. And he's lying there. And I remember he lifted his arm up. And he's staring at his arm, and the camera just looks at, at this arm that he slowly rotates, I think, um, in front of him. And I just remember it just seeming incredibly alien and weird, this thing that something that's so familiar uh, can in fact be so peculiar. And it had, as far as I remember, quite a strong impact on me. I also remember an album I had uh, by Neil Young called On the Beach which had a brilliant cover of him standing he had his back to the camera and next to him looks like there's a um, crashed uh, spaceship and there's a kind of forlornness, he looks a bit bedraggled and a bit hungover or something or other but he's just fallen, coming out of a spaceship and the whole look is quite sort of sad in a way and I guess it's that sort of, again that crash landed alien thing that I was really taken with and I think cultural moments like that and various other things did inform the way that I sort of started to see things, certainly when I started picking up a camera and deciding what it was that I was going to frame. And from then till now, which has been 10 million years, it feels like, it's pretty much all that I've been doing the whole time. It's just walking around and going, cool, what's that? And Whoo, what's that? And just reacting to things that strike me as peculiar uh, in um, the world that I see around me. Now, obviously, it's a um, job as well. It's not a hobby, sadly. And so I frequently have to not suppress it, but this, these, these sort of uh, elements become less important on a, you know, when you're photographing something relatively mundane. But I think it's still something that informs the way that uh, I go about doing the work because you're still trying to find that fresh moment that thing that expression that uh, angle whatever it is that makes you just go huh look at that try and make you look at it slightly differently or to just wonder what is that thing that I'm looking at after all uh, so I think it it runs throughout be it you know photographing a stupid cat or a car on a road or a, uh, whatever it might be a celebrity or god knows what um, it's that same sense of trying to find a uh, something that seems new to me whether it's new to anyone else is a completely different matter but I'm trying to find something that feels new to me and I think that might be why after all these years I still love it and um, it's such a great thing to do so yeah photography means everything to me well not everything an awful lot there you go thank you well, thank you, Dan, for your contribution this week and for taking us back to the days of the Six Million Dollar Man. How I remember running in slow motion in the school playground trying to copy uh, that particular television programme and uh, Neil Young's On the Beach. This is not an ordinary photographic podcast. We bounce around and go off in all sorts of directions. I love the idea of the alien photographer as well. I wonder if any of them have actually landed and are getting commissioned today. I think only you know the answer to that question. Educator and writer Bill Jay said this, 
The idea is to say the most trite thing in such a manner that it sounds like the deepest profundity, a technique perfected by fine art photographers who lecture at academic institutions. He also said this... The pseudo-intellectual makes the error of assuming that simplicity is the opposite of profundity. I saw a tweet recently by a photographic course which is based in the UK. And in the tweet they used the description of what a series of talks would be about. And they used the terms lens-based and lens-relevant. I've never heard that uh, term before related to photography. So I questioned them as to what this meant. They said this. Lens-based doesn't incorporate other practices that aren't solely lens-based. So we expanded it to lens-relevant. Practice that isn't solely lens or lens-based, but is still relevant to the lens. I was still no clearer about what they were talking about. I questioned them further, but they said lens-relevant is as simple to understand as lens-based. Well, I still did not understand, despite their proclamation that it was simple to understand. So I did some googling to find out what they could not tell me. I came up with no definition, but lots of articles on contact lenses. The same course on its Twitter page states that it is embracing multimodal and informed approaches to the contemporary image. Multimodal? What does that mean? I had to look it up and I found this. Multimodal projects are simply projects that have multiple modes of communicating a message. For example, while traditional papers typically only have one mode, text, a multimodal project would include a combination of text, images, motion or audio. That's fine, but I had to spend time trying to find out what it is that this course embraces. Now, I may be being pedantic here, and if I am, I apologise. But I am meant to understand photography and teaching, perhaps even academia, since I have a PhD and I've taught in universities for over nine years. And yet I do not understand and am not familiar with these terms. So why are they being used? Will students understand these terms? Will photographers? Or are they just for fellow academics? I don't know, but what I do know is that good communication is based on a simplicity of message, language that is inclusive and approachable. On this one, I stand with Bill. I started off this episode by dedicating it to Colin Jones. And over the last week, I've put a, a little article, uh, a reminiscence, I suppose, from a personal perspective about Colin, titled Colin Jones Has Gone Missing on the United Nations of Photography uh, website. And I've also put with that uh, Colin's audio contribution to the previous podcast, podcast I should say, without my uh, contribution. So you can just hear Colin. So that's Colin Jones has gone missing and that's up on the uh, United Nations of Photography.com. Uh, also another article gone up on there over the last week titled Reading is the Foundation of Photography Discuss. That may well... Um, prick a few bubbles out there and uh, also hopefully uh, instigate some discussion and some debate. 
Whilst we're talking about the archive of contributors we've had to the podcast, it leads me to remind you once again that the book What Does Photography Mean to Me and to You and to Them is on sale. And it's uh, 89 professional award-winning photographers from around the world explaining exactly that thing. It's £9.99 plus post and packing, and you can get that from bluecoatpress.co.uk. The autumn is traditionally a time for photo festivals, and uh, it's good to see and hear of them starting up again from the face-to-face perspective. And I'm looking forward to actually meeting up with some friends and going to see some stuff as well. Also good to see, I must say, that a number of them are responding positively to a suggestion that I made just over a year ago, and actually I've been making for the last couple of years, which is to try and make festivals more inclusive by making them available online. And that seems to be happening more and more, and that's really good to see. Quite often we can't get around the country or off to other countries to see these festivals and therefore they can, I suppose in a way, become a very small kind of community uh, responding to the same community year after year. So by making them available online, that community is broadening, making it more inclusive and that's got to be a good thing. It's also really good to see so many talks remaining online, despite the fact that certainly here in the UK, most people seem to be uh, acting as if everything has gone back to normal and that COVID hardly ever happened. The only uh, reality that we're seeing is we can't get any heat, food or anything else at the moment, and maybe even petrol. So despite the fact that the UK seems to be heading back to 1973 in many ways, a year I remember very vividly in my childhood, uh, it seems to be embracing 2021 as far as technology is concerned with the photographic festivals, gallery talks and so forth. So really no excuse anymore for anybody to not be able to get engaged with the medium. I'm constantly suggesting to people that they should get involved with talks, listen to podcasts, not just this one, but other ones about all sorts of different kinds of subjects. Also, not just about photography. There's so much for us now culturally to engage with and to broaden our cultural knowledge and our cultural experience. And that really has to be the foundation of a successful, a fulfilling photographic practice it's not about repetition or imitation surely it's about trying to see new things in new ways even if the resultant artifact may appear similar or reference other work or other experiences the process itself can be incredibly fulfilling and there's a lot of people talking out and writing now about the effect that photography can have on mental well-being and just general well-being, getting out and about. And that's something that I'm always going to be looking at and something that I'm always going to be encouraging. I think that story at the beginning of this episode is a perfect example of what photography can achieve. Anyway, that's it for this week. We've covered a lot of stuff. Take care.